You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest and greatest episode of 80s Revisited, the prequel episode to Halloween Horror as we talk about Creep Show. Duh. Came out May 1st, 1987, <laughs> the same day that Paul Guido, who? Well, the longest serving American prison inmate who served 68 years and 245 days in various New York State prisons was finally released at the age of 86. Mm. He's dead now. Ah. But, well, at least I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> I would guess he's dead. If he's still alive, drop us an email, Paul, at agevisit.gmail.com. But everybody else, sit back and enjoy the prequel to Halloween Horror as we talk about Creep Show 2 right now. <laughs> <laughs> in my true form of an ambiguous black river blob. Welcome back. Ganja. <laughs> Welcome back to the latest, literally late, episode of Age Visit. I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, my producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And better late than never. But hey, we got shit going on because we have busy lives and stuff. We never forget about our listeners here at the Awesome Podcast Network. And we're back with the promised episode on Creep Show 2. That was my creeper imitation, so don't judge me. But uh, yeah, and also a little special surprise at the end of the episode on this prequel to our Halloween horror, which kicks off next episode, which if you're listening, once you're listening to this, got another surprise for you. The next episode will be available at the same time. But hopefully you started with this one mm-hmm. and not that one. Not that there's any sort of continuity except continuity, except, you know, few little things here and there, but you get the point. You should be listening to them in order. But anyway, Creep Show 2, released May 1st, 1987. IMDb gives it a 6. Rotten Tomatoes, 33% critics, 40% audience. Budget was 3.5, estimated. It opened at 3.5, so it met its budget in its opening weekend, but it was number 2 at the box office that week. Number 2 under Michael J. Fox. Fox's Secret of My Success, which the only thing I remember about that movie is him like hitting the alarm button in the elevator to change clothes to go from floor to floor and job to job. Maybe you should revisit it. <laughs> One day when, <laughs> when I need to do something involving Michael J. Fox because of <laughs> right. something tragic or something. It's not when sad news approaches. Yeah, it'd be a good one to do then. We've done his best. Let's be honest. We've done the best of MJF. Sure. So, but anyway. Hollywood, was that 90? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That one, I like that movie because had James Woods in it. Yeah. Like, People pissing in the forest. I remember that. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and Creepshow 2 went on to domestically gross $14 million, So it, it was a success. It was directed by Michael Gornick. Uh, let me see. Is this just down? Hello? 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 Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure because I have my volume down here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Gornick. This was the only film he did, but he also did four episodes of Tales from the Dark Side. And he was... George A. Romero's cinematographer for Dawn and Day of the Dead. So he did have some skill, at least, in terms of uh, behind the camera. Uh, written, but a uh, story by Stephen King, and screenplay by the, unfortunately, I hate to say it nowadays, but the late, great 
George Romero, who passed away earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And starring George Kennedy as Ray Spruce, of course, the biggest, not- most notable thing I can ever say about George Kennedy was the Naked Gun trilogy. Because that's the first thing I think of. It's him holding a dildo at the end of a chainsaw from Naked Gun 2, I think, mm. when I think of uh, George Kennedy. Uh, also, Dorothy Lamour was Martha Spruce. Uh, she was in, also in My Favorite Brunette and The Greatest Show on Earth. She was a very uh, old Hollywood actor, so to speak. Uh, and this was, I believe, her last film. Uh, Holt McCanny was Sam Whitemoon. He was also in Fight Club, Alien 3, most recently Sully and Gangster Squad. Uh, so he went on to do a few little things, uh, all bit parts, nothing major. Uh, Paul Satterfield was Deke. He was in Bruce Almighty and had a recurring role in General Hospital. Uh, and Paige Hanna was Rachel. She was also in Gremlins 2 and Shag. And about the last two I mentioned, Paul Satterfield and Paige Hanna, both of their IMDb pictures are from this movie. So that explains to you the extent of their careers, their high mm-hmm. points for them, at least. Uh, they were both from the RAF segment. Uh, Jeremy, Green was La- uh, Jeremy Green was Laverne. Uh, I'll put Hot Shot here in question marks. I'm not sure why I did that because I wrote this like a while back. But uh, yeah, Jeremy is a girl's name nowadays, uh, and at least for this. So I had to like do some like researching to make sure there wasn't any like transitioning or anything. Because that's <laughs> yeah. just—I mean, I'm sorry, that's an odd name for a female. A little bit. Little so uh, yeah, Jeremy Green. Hmm. Uh, she was Laverne, and she's an actress. Oh, she, oh, Hot Shot is what she was in. Never mind. Okay, I don't know why I put a question mark there. I'm probably just a mistype. She's also in a film like, called Hot Shot. Is Hot Shot. <laughs> I don't know, but it's not Hot Shots, right. which is very praiseworthy, but. This looks something with soccer. <laughs> Enough about that movie because yeah. nobody cares. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Randy was Daniel. I'm sorry. Daniel Beer was Randy. He was also in Point Break and Dying Young. Uh, Lois Chiles or Childs was Annie Lansing. She was in Moonraker and The Way We Were and Broadcast News. Tom Wright was the hitchhiker. And he was uh, in the third segment called The Hitchhiker, I believe. But uh, he was in Mark for Death with Seagal. Uh, he was Morgan on Seinfeld. He was also star Wesley Snipes in Murder at 1600. And this film did have a Stephen King cameo, which if you remember from our Halloween Horror, la- well, was maybe a year before last, I don't remember now, whenever it was, and how we did a running total of Stephen King cameos, it's really not that common. It's more so, a, it's actually more so the uh, exception than the rule for his films, but he was the truck driver in the final segment, but of course he also uh, starred in the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill in uh, Creepshow 1, also had a cameos in Pet Cemetery, Maxim Overdrive, and Sleepwalkers. And Tom Savini, the God, not the Godfather of Gore, because that's a different guy. Uh, Fulci, I think. Or not Fulci. Is it Fulci or one of those Italian guys that's considered the Godfather of Gore? I don't remember now. I have no idea. Horror fans, I'm sorry. I, I do have my horror MasterCard. I just can't think of his name. It's either Fulci or Bava? I can't remember. The one that did City of the Living Dead. Anyway, that's another discussion. Write it in. Yeah, let me remind me. I'm going to immediately go find out when we get off air to remind myself. But Tom Savini played the creep in here, throwing the newspapers to the kids. But, of course, sex, uh, in terms of acting, Dust Till Dawn, he was Sex Machine. Uh, and, of course, he's a special effects master, uh, going back to Friday the 13th, Burning, numerous other films. Has his own makeup school. In fact, if you watch the Sci-Fi Channel reality show Face Off, a lot of the people on there are graduates from the Tom Savini School of Makeup. And I looked it up. It's a two-year course, I believe, and it's roughly about $50,000. Jesus. So... I'd rather, hey, if I could go back right. in time and, and not go to LSU and spend that money, I'd go to Tom Savini's makeup school. That's true. <laughs> Bar none. But yeah, quick synopsis. Creepshow 2, it's more of the same. And by that, I mean it's, an, it's, an, it's a sequel to an anthology film. There's only three in this one, though. 
And uh, I wish I could say it's quality over quantity, but that's not the case when it comes to Creepshow 2. Uh, it is by far an inferior sequel. However, uh, the second segment, The Raft, although horribly acted and written, is the one segment of every creep show that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Uh, in fact, I was terrified of floating trash bags in the river or oh, any, wow. in, anything in the beach, you know, trash bags floating in the beach. I mean, beaches aren't very clean sometimes. We all know that. And it would just, as a kid, it would make me think of this segment and terrify me as a child because <laughs> of the raft. Don't pollute. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I guess it's an anti-pollution message. Then, I mean, you know, like like all, in my opinion, good horror, like there's no explanation for what it is. It's just floating and basically kills all these kids. Spoiler alert. Great ending to this one, though, Jesse. If you haven't seen it, you're, Jesse's watching the ending right now, so I won't spoil it. So it's available on YouTube. It. As way. as usual, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen it, but yeah, uh, d- none of the segments. The first one you have uh, Old Chief Woodenhead, where a, an Indian, you know, for lack of a better term, a wood carved cigar Indian, like you would see in movies or old west towns, comes to life to enact vengeance upon these guys that uh, hold up a store owner who took care of the the wooden statue and all that. And then you have the raft, by far the high point of this uh, film, this anthology. And then it ends with The Hitchhiker, which is super lame. Go watch The Hitcher with Rector Howard instead for a good story about a hitchhiker. Uh, and there's the ending. He thinks he gets away, but he gets him. Of course not. Yeah, why do you keep moving? <laughs> I'd have been in the car and out of there. Oh, I wouldn't have waited. But yeah, uh, so that, there you go. I mean, so it's, it's a simple film. I mean, it's a whole bunch of TV episodes, for lack of a better word. It's, um, whereas in the original Creep Show, you had some top-notch Hollywood talent. Uh, not, I mean, George Kennedy's obviously one of the bigger stars here. Aside from the Stephen King cameo and Tom Zavini playing the creep in terms of acting. But, I mean, of course, in the first one, you have Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau. You had a bit, bit bigger cast lending their talents to an anthology movie, which I think is what you need for a successful or a, usually a good anthology movie. You have to have some gravitas from the acting quality in it because if there's anything, The Raft is one of the best I think in terms of just scaring me as a kid, but also the worst in terms of the acting quality because these dudes and these ladies are horrible. And the, and the one dude, the dude, the last dude that survives really deserved to die because you didn't watch this, Jesse, but uh, the brunette, as they're like, they spend the night out on the raft, like waiting, hoping it'll leave. Mm-hmm. So in the next morning, like it's still there. Well, then she's sleeping. So this dude decides to get a little rapey and starts like feeling her up and kissing her no-no spots and... <laughs> And then he thinks she's waking up, and then she rolls over, and her face went off the boards, and the thing's eating her through the, uh, the through the thing. He's like, ah, freaks out. But he was, <laughs> she didn't deserve to die because <laughs> she was a rape victim at this point. But he gets it in the end. So that was very odd choice in terms to have that, right? And you know, instead of just like, oh, like she's pretty, and maybe I want to kiss her, and then that's when the reveal is, nah, he straight up molests her. Right. <laughs> so he deserves it. But yeah. Uh, as a whole, this one is only worth watching, in my opinion, simply for the raft. Uh, and honestly, but it, it doesn't hold up in terms of, especially when you compare it to the first one. The first Creep Show is still enjoyable. It's much better. Uh, this one's just, I wish I could say it's more of the same in a sense, but it's more of the same at a much lower quality. Even though, I mean, it was successful in terms of its budget. And there was a Creep Show 3, which I tried to watch. Uh, over the weekend and cooking it halfway through the first segment and then I had to turn it off because it's so much garbage. Mm-hmm. And I always heard about it, never watched it until I tried to this past weekend, but it's creep show in name only. There's nothing, there's not even a, I, I, I watched it as a curiosity and that wasn't even, wasn't able to get through the first part. Absolute shit. 
so stick with Creepshow 1 if you're going to look this Halloween season, you know, add it to your rotation. Uh, but Creepshow 2, two like Jesse six. said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know it's going to be crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but as Jesse said, it's all on YouTube, so you can watch it on there. Uh, but if you're looking to just kind of get a taste of Creepshow 2, in my opinion, watch The Raft. It's the best one. But again, none compared to any of the segments in terms of quality as uh, the original and uh, still the best of the creep shows. But you know, uh, that's kind of a, I, w- I was going to say it's kind of a, a lost thing these days, but they actually just had the XX, the uh, all woman horror anthology film, which was pretty decent. I liked it. It was worth watching. Uh, but you know, back in the day, you had Creep Show, Creep Show 2, Tales from the Dark Side, uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, all these anthology films with, you know, high quality production stuff. And then that led right into, in the, uh, I guess it was the early 90s. I'm not sure if it was actually in the 80s, but Tales from the Crypt and its rise to prominence on HBO and then eventually on Fox after mm-hmm. the X-Files. Uh, Tales from the Crypt would come on, usually two episodes. I'd flip back and forth between Tales from the Crypt and Saturday Night Live as a kid. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you had Friday the 13th, the series, which was an anthology, although it had sort of a narrative to it. Uh, Freddy's Nightmares, the same thing, all anthology stuff. But uh, uh, standalone episodes introduced by Freddy, which the first few episodes of that series are fantastic because it's actually Freddy's origin. Although uh, I think we mentioned that a few years ago in Halloween Horror, but I mean they're they're so low budget that's what totally <laughs> ruins them and takes them out of the running in terms of quality uh, anthology. But also one of the underrated ones which is actually on the screen as we're looking at this right here. It's the Willies and it's on uh, uh, YouTube as well. But I was a horror anthology in 1990, which as a kid, the reason I, I remember that and watched that one so much because it was PG-13, so I could just mm-hmm. walk into the store and rent it, then have to yeah. worry about like the right clerk being there to let me run an R-rated movie or stuff like that back then. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, there, I mean, XX was good, like I said, but they're really, uh, well then, uh, actually on Netflix, you have the ABCs of death, which are a different death for every letter. And there's two of those, I think. So those are technically anthologies and those are hit or miss. Uh, I haven't seen the VHS films, but I, th- I know there's at least two of them and I think they might be, have anthologies or be set up like that with standalone stories. There's Stephen King, by the mm-hmm. way, Jesse. Uh, so, but nothing like theatrical in terms of like what we had in the eighties and actually pretty much the eighties. I mean, uh, Willie's wasn't a theatrical. I think that was like direct to DVD, at least in our neck of the woods or direct to VHS, I should say. But your Twilight's on the movie, Creepshow one and two, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, all those were theatrical, went to theaters. So we haven't had a good theatrical anthology film in a long time. So it'd be nice to see him just pretend Creepshow three didn't happen and do a Creepshow three right. as a true sequel to the original and, you know, do something Modern day, because Stephen King's still out there writing shit. Of course, unfortunately, Romero's recently passed, but, you know, uh, King's out there putting up quality work, and there is a resurgence of King right now. We had It, Gerald's Game on Netflix, Mr. Mercedes, there's some 1922 coming out soon with Super Tom, Thomas Jane. Uh, so, you know, now is a good time for it. Uh, if anybody's out there trying to make some money and cash in on it. Stephen uh, King, do so it hot right. right now. Yes, totally. Well, I mean, there's <laughs> so good. Fi- there's there's finally some good stuff with his name on it again. Because I mean, we had a, a peak, and then you know, kind of went to trash, and then slowly kind of worked its way back up mm-hmm. with the quality of his work. And he has a. I mean, there's a plethora of stuff that he puts out. I mean, he has he has several short story anthologies, all of which you could pull from there, which they have and made the Lawnmower Man, the Mangler, Children of the Corn. Uh, I think Langoliers was a segment in Four to Midnight, Four Past Midnight, which were more like novellas, not necessarily short stories, I believe. Uh, Night Shift, I think, was a short story. But there's still plenty of stuff out there for, uh, you know, a creep show stuff. And you know, King has a fucking filing cabinet full of unused ideas and stuff. I mean, that man can make a horror story out of you know being in line at the supermarket. That's where the mist came from. 
So, I mean, as simple as that, you know, it just takes that stroke of a little bit of equal equalness of insanity and genius to uh, come up with something truly horrific. So, but all in all, Creepshow 2, uh, I mean, it's, it's October now. I mean, there, right. there are worse things you could watch, but uh, to me, again, high point is The Raft and then just turn it off. Watch The Raft, watch Creepshow 1 and The Raft, and that's your Creepshow, that's all you need to worry about with The Creepshow franchise. Unfortunately, I wish I could say all three of them were good, but... You got one solid, fantastic film and one segment from part two, and then that's about it. So, but anyway, some little little bit of trivia here. Uh, actor Daniel Beer, who played Randy in the raft segment, the rapist, right. uh, uh, <laughs> he almost actually died while they were filming it. The water was so cold, so cold, so cold. His body actually turned green, and the crew wanted him to continue acting, but the director said that if they if they get him to keep working, he will walk off the set and be done with it oh wow because they wanted to finish it you know like oh we get, let's get this take we can go home blah 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 the dude's freezing uh so they took him to the hospital he made a full recovery and completed the segment so uh and that's interesting too because uh i was watching a fan there's a fantastic six hour documentary called crystal lake memories and it covers every single film in the friday the 13th franchise and it's a well done documentary it's worth like i watched it over three days and it was like absolutely worth it never boring they, the documentary was actually interesting with the production, the why they did this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So highly, highly, highly recommend it. What they were talking about in part five, or part four, excuse me, where the girl's on the raft in that film and how she was freezing. And then, like, the director basically had to say, because uh, the crew wanted to get this shot done so they could call it a night and wrap for the day, the night, I should say. But the director said, no, get her out of there. She's freezing to death. Yeah. You tend to her, and then we'll, we'll knock it out when she's better, when she's ready for it. So that was, you know, a common occurrence, apparently, in uh, these horror films. Filming them in California at night, where it's cold all the time. It gets cold in California at night. Yeah. Here, you can film at night, and the water's going to be hot. That's true. You know, but uh, in other locations, you can't exactly film at night. And in, these crews just want to go home instead of, like, or, you know, they want they don't want to reassemble back out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can understand the cost that, of but life. you can't do it at that, you know, that's where you, you have to draw a line. Like, it's not just, like, oh, be a man and do one more take. No, you're doing a, a visual effect here. Things have to happen. Other things have to be in place. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not just setting up a two-camera setup for a scene and two lines. It's, uh, you know, you have visual effects and all that kind of stuff going off. So, understandable. Mm. Uh, there is a tie-in in terms of acting to the first original Creep Show. Actor David Holbrook is the fat guy or fatso in the Old Chief Woodenhead segment. His father, obviously Hal Holbrook, was in the crate uh, from the original Creep Show. You know the one where uh, monsters in the crate and he brings his wife <laughs> to yeah. the museum to look in the crate. <laughs> yeah. So uh, although the film only consists of three short stories and the wraparound animation. There were in the original, just like in the original Creep Show, there were five stories written. One of them is was called The Cat from Hell, which was actually really u- later used in the Tales from the Dark Side of the movie, which was really fucking creepy because at the end, spoiler alert, uh, that one creeped me out as a kid because the cat like crawls in the dude's mouth at the end after it basically kills him. Mm. And that was just, that creeped me out for, <laughs> as a kid too. Like that's body horror type stuff. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, and that was, that segment was actually directed by the original Creep Show's composer, John Harrison. And the other story that was intended to be uh, in Creep Show 2 was this Stephen King short story called Pinfall about ghostly rival bowling teams. Now, while I would like to see that, I see why they didn't even bother putting it in, because <laughs> I'm sure it would have worked, because you have to have kind of like that humorous element. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, I think the, uh, not the catch, but, uh. Part of the uh, fun of the creep show, like especially the first one, you have some that are pretty, like uh, kind of straight up, like kind of scary, and then you have 
you know, that, those little comedic elements that make it fun, uh, which I appreciate and I enjoy. Uh, during the second segment of the, uh, the raft, uh, Laverne is wearing a shirt from Horlicks University. That's the same university stenciled on the crate from the original Creep Show, so another tie-in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen King wrote an outline for part two, which George Romero then adapted into a screenplay. Uh, the second of the three segments, The Raft, is based on King's short story, the same name from 1982. The other stories, Hitchhiker and The Old Chief Woodenhead, are actually original stories that King wrote for Creep Show 2. Uh, let's see, I think one more. Uh, Barbara Eden, I Dream of Jeannie, Jeannie. Uh, was originally cast as a hit-and-run driver in uh, the last story, The Hitchhiker, but had to drop out due to her mother falling ill, and then Lois Childs, not Chili's, I'm pretty sure, was later recast in the role. Uh, and she read the script. <laughs> Probably. That's, yeah, uh, uh, I read the script, and uh, my mother's sick. <laughs> yeah, my I can't do this. Because I read it out, out loud to her. Yeah, <laughs> it made her sick. But uh, score-wise... I'd give it a five. Uh, I give it a little simply because the raft. Uh, if I was reviewing it today, having watched it for the first time, I'd give it a f- probably less than that, probably a four, maybe a three. It's just as a kid, again, the raft stuck with me for years. In fact, until I became o- or old enough or older again, when then when I rewatched Creepshow, I always thought it was Creepshow one. I didn't realize it was two. Was then as I grew up and like eventually rewatched Creepshow one, like wait a second, where's that one about the thing in the lake? <laughs> I guess that was part two, and then sure enough, it's part two. Uh. So. Uh, that's what this one gets a a greater score for me personally, just because of the raft. That's the only reason. And like you could you could make an entire movie of that that segment today with some good writing, some good directing, some a uh, good composer with some good tension filled music. Excuse me, and it could be a full length movie. I think, uh, especially with you know we 127 hours uh, buried. You know uh, the movie with Tom Hardy where he's in the car lock. You know, uh, it there, it takes a ton of skill to make movies like that, in my opinion. One location, stuff like that, writing, everything comes together and has to come together really well to do it. But I think that story is a good basis to where the right people can make that as terrifying as it to modern audiences as it was to a child watching it in 1987. So... Uh, let's see, uh, we'll do the, in the real world in the intro, uh, back to the future this week, uh, before we wrap up and get to our last surprise, I did get, since we recorded last, I have watched a couple of movies worth recommending, uh, saw the new Pirates movie, uh, as in Johnny Depp Pirates movie, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't terrible, wasn't great, worth watching, better mm-hmm. than the last one, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many, yeah, I think this is the sixth <laughs> or fifth, I don't remember, but, uh, you know, I think, I, I'll, uh, they didn't need to go past the third one, and this is the fifth or sixth one. But, you know, if you're look not this month, because we're in October now, everybody. You need to watch horror movies this month. But, you know, down the road when you see it, it's def- – or, uh, you know, you want to check it out. It's worth watching. It's straight – I didn't think this at first because the first sequence kind of involves a very Fast and the Furious ripoff type thing, which is ridiculous. But beyond that, the movie was entertaining. Uh, the female lead was, I haven't heard of her before, but she was a pretty good actress. I enjoyed her performance. Uh, and the effects, as always, were good. It had some you know, pretty stuff to look at. So it was definitely worth watching. But my highest, my better recommendation for people this week, uh, at least, is uh, Goon 2, Last of the Enforcers, came out. Mm. Uh, direct to video. Unfortunately, because, I don't know if, anybody, if you haven't seen the first one, you need to see the first one and then watch the second one. It's with Sean William Scott and uh, Lee Schreiber. And it's a, he's basically, he's a hockey, it's a, high, it's a sports movie. Yeah. But, have you seen the first one? 
Yes. I, I, thought, yeah, I thought we talked about it. Uh, it's a great fucking movie. The first one is. Like, I, it was on Netflix. I saw it, like, you know, on the queue. Not on the queue, but just on Netflix where people are like, oh, I might as well watch it. Maybe it's, it's Lee Schreiber's in it. I like him. Fantastic fucking sports movie. And the sequel, the part two, if you like the first one, Jesse, you'll love the second one. It's hmm. great. Uh, Kurt, what, Kurt Russell's son plays in it as the villain. <laughs> and he's got this fucking bushy beard like Kurt Russell in the thing. And the whole time, I'm like, my God. <laughs> it's like Kurt Russell is young again. Although... <laughs> And then he was also in an episode of Black Mirror, which I didn't like him in that. Wyatt Russell's his name. But uh, he was good in this. He's like, you know, I hope that he gets more roles to sort of, you know, or I hope he develops as an actor to where he's he can live up to what his dad's done. Because, I mean, big fucking shoes to fill, dude. I yes. understand. Like, huge fucking shoes. But in this film, in Goon 2, like, he was a good villain. I hated him. He made me hate him. Look at that. That's fucking Kurt Russell, man. <laughs> he, he, like, looks just like him with the beard, the bushy beard in Goon. And he gives this look. I'm like, that's fucking McCready from the thing getting pissed off. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the Goon series, I, I truly, it blows my mind these aren't, like, more widely regarded or, you know, they have to be cult movies. I mean, they made a sequel six years after the original. So I assume that's because people have seen the, the first one and enjoyed it enough to where they made this one. But highest possible recommendation. I don't like sports movies. That's not a genre I go out and like, oh, what's the newest sports movie? You know, to me, they're few and far between like the great ones, like ones that I truly enjoy. But Goon and then this sequel, fan-fucking-tastic. Absolutely just a... And one of the bloodiest fucking movies I've seen in a long time, Goon 2. But highest possible recommendation. I'm not sure if the original's still on Netflix or not. But please, like, watch those movies. They're great. They have a heart to them. And that, that's the, the thing. They're silly. They're ridiculous in terms of, like, the plot. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous is the wrong word. It's silly in terms of, like, because how stupid he is in the movie. But, I mean, it's not, it's not like Ernest P. Worrell type stupid right. or uh, Frank Drebin type stupid. It, it's got that heart to it. And that's the part that just seals the deal for me in a sports movie. Like, Cool Runnings. It's all about the ending. It's a good movie. But when that dad rips open his jacket and shows that he's there to support his son, I, I a tear will run down from my eye. Yeah, I guarantee it. So, yeah, but uh, that's all I've been. That's the two big high points that I've uh, seen since we recorded last. Uh, Jesse, anything you've been watching or anything lately of worth Not worth mentioning? So much. I mean, right now TV's coming back with uh, all their shows. So I watched like Curb Your Enthusiasm, the mm-hmm. new one, and I watched. Uh, oh, South Park's back too. Yeah. South Park is back. Eh, slow start, but it's yeah. it's still not decent. bad. Not yeah, bad. it's yeah, not yeah. it's not to where I'm, I'm saying they need to quit. It's I'm still glad it's not political. Yeah, it's still at a good level to where I'm happy with it. But um, well, it was a little political in that last. Oh one, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but again, they did it in the in the good way that they can do it. Yeah, to yeah, where it's, it's not fine. it's not distracting. They make you laugh. So they need just more goofy stuff from like stuff that just doesn't make sense. That, yeah. that was the good stuff where it's about the boys doing something. Something innocent. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I was having done something with the fidget spinners or. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, that, you know, something like that's going to be, you know, <laughs> because knowing them, I mean, they're, they're very minded with, or they have a, their finger on the pulse of what's society's hap- what's happening in society. Yeah. So um, I guess they're just waiting for something. Last night I, I caught up on uh, Nathan for you, which have you ever seen that? Is that the guy on the street? Or wait, nothing. No, 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 no. You're thinking of Billy on the street. That's it. Nathan for you is a show on Comedy Central. Oh, okay, you mentioned this before. Where he like I have mentioned okay, this before. Okay, okay, that's how I was getting confused. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, he. Um, for those that don't know, he. 
uh, he just has such a weird demeanor about him that you don't think this guy belongs on Comedy Central, but it really at its core is so ridiculous and funny. And uh, he just has such strange ways about going about helping people. Because that's his whole show. He just goes and helps people, but the way he helps people is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it just makes for the funniest reactions and everything like that. And so I caught up on that. And, you know, if you had never seen that before, actually the first episode is like a 40-minute look back on all these the people he's helped in the past. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he revisits <laughs> a lot of them. And is it on Hulu or anything, do you know? Or I don't think it's on Hulu. Okay. I think Hulu got rid of uh, Comedy Central, or no, that's not true because it's your South, South Park. But they have a contract with South Park. That's what it is. Okay. Um, no, I had to go through other means to find it. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> just checking for my for the future. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was just catching up on TV recently. Um, TV and Netflix. I haven't been to the theater in a while. No, well, until this week, Thursday, seven o five p.m. There hasn't been anything worth watching for the at the yeah. theater for the past, uh, well, since it. So about three, two, three weeks. So Blade Runner twenty forty six. Oh God, <laughs> the pressure's on. Oh, God. I was eating lunch today, and they had it on Sports Center. So I'm watching them show the bloopers for the weekend and seeing several of my fantasy players fuck up. Right, <laughs> and then they show the commercial like mesmerizing. The greatest film ever made. I'm like, oh my god! Please oh, no. stop! Please don't fucking overrate this movie until I've seen it. Like, don't play this until people have seen it, because it's already got huge shoes to fill. But I've tried my damnedest to avoid every trailer. But it, today, it's impossible in this day and age to avoid. We went and saw it. They play the trailer in front of them. Like, I can't watch this. Well, but then if I hear it, it's going to give me even more false opinions. So I might as well just watch it so I have it in context. I didn't even know Dave Bautista was in it until I saw the trailer. Oh, that's so, your favorite actor in it, Jared Leto. I know. Like, that's honestly, that's my only worry. Like, because he's, and it's because of his pretentiousness. Like, it's right. he, I'm in Blade Runner and I'm going to be a menacing villain or blah, you know. Jared Leto could do a good, you know, I hope he does a good job. He looks good, like, and cool in the trailer. Like, he looks like he fits in the universe from the brief things I've seen. 2049, I said 2046, is Lexia. <laughs> Uh, but he spun it upside down. But Dennis Villanavu, however you pronounce his last name, still don't know how. I never heard it pronounced. You know, he is like in, you know, Ridley Scott, you were amazing before, but you've made shit the past 10 years. So I'm sorry to say that because you used to be my favorite director. Leave Alien alone. <laughs> Let Blomkamp make his fucking movie. Just, Not gonna happen. just, I know. It's, that's what, but at least we're getting this. And again, that's me knocking on wood. Because I love Ryan Gosling. I don't care what other people say. That dude has can fucking act. Go watch Drive if you don't believe me. It has a proven director. Harrison Ford's back. We yeah, got that director makes some good stuff. He do, like he's my favorite. Right, him and Blomkamp are the only two directors I really care about. When they come out with something, I'm going to see it day one. Prisoners was awesome. Yeah, I mean that was a long movie and didn't feel like it. Yeah, it felt like and the oh, tension yeah, never about let the same up. Same time as uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is going to be a long one. Good. Uh, longer than Prisoners. Wow. Yeah, Prisoners just felt like it was a bunch of. I felt like watching a TV show, really, because it had. Yeah, the pacing was so yeah. good. Uh, uh, and a phenomenal film. Like, I was like, God. Like, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to like it. I, the only reason I watched Prisoners was because of Hugh Jackman. Yeah, me too. And which, A, fucking A performance by him. Jake Gyllenhaal, I know he was trying to do something a little different in terms of a character, but he didn't do bad. I mean, I don't dislike him, but he's not a draw for me. If you want to watch good Gyllenhaal, go watch Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, but everything about prison was just like, 
good God. Like yeah. that was, it was, you know, had to take a breath after it. Now, Sicaro, <laughs> phenomenal. And Arrival, one of the best science fiction movies to come out in the past four or five years since the last Blomkamp, since Chappie. There you go. It's the best movie, yeah. sci-fi movie since Chappie. Well, no, take, I'm sorry, since Mad Max Fury Road. That came out after Chappie. That's, <laughs> that's still a high point. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, oh, Jesse, what are the two colors in that poster? <laughs> Orange and cyan. <laughs> Yeah, they love that. Yeah, but uh, but that fingers. I hope that I hope the next time because not next episode because we're recording it in about five minutes. But uh, next week I'm I hope that I'm as happy as I am right now telling you. I hope you've seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Blah blah, it's super fucking awesome. So, well, Ryan Gosling just did SNL. I did watch that. That show had the most. Oh my god! You know, mess up. I, I was hearing laugh. some stuff about that. Yeah, like every segment, they they were just giggling. I was like, <laughs> "What is this?" It was it was okay the first few times, and every once in a while, it's funny to see him break up. But yeah. when it's on every segment, it's crazy. So but he's probably have, not going to be hosting again. <laughs> they did have one of the best short skits I've seen in a long time as a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. It's it's about uh, fonts. <laughs> it's called papyrus. It's really, it's really funny. Ryan Gosling plays like, you know, like I had a dream again. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he, he sees the Avatar poster. He's like, they just used plain papyrus. They didn't do anything to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes and hunts down the graphic designer. He's like, I know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because it's one of the fonts that you know, that's so like you're like, oh, Arial Bold or whatever. Like, no, right. papyrus is everywhere. Right. Like any. Yeah, go to uh, you know sci-fi originals or it's like oh papyrus there it is again. I remember <laughs> using that in 1992 to thinking I was cool in my homemade CDs. Right, that's funny. Or yeah, if, if I opened a spa, <laughs> I use papyrus. <laughs> but uh, we did get an email, and this is an older one that I forgot the past I think two episodes or maybe one I don't remember, but it's from our list, uh, friend Craig Petty, uh, and he said this was in response to a garbage pail kids episode. Uh, and he says, pretty sure Mars Attacks was a card-based movie, but I could be wrong. Cheers, motherfuckers. So I thought you were wrong, Craig, but you are actually correct. Mars Attacks was a card series, a trading card series originally produced in 1962. Oh, so you are 100% correct. Mars Attacks is a card-based movie, and I'm happy to say it is the best card-based movie. <laughs> and just a damn good movie. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. That Mars Attacks was... Oh, mercy. I saw it twice in the theater. Once on a sneak preview and then once with some other friends because they didn't believe me how funny it was with all those actors. And Yeah, this acting. Like you t- just show them the names and you're like, oh, that must be some serious drama. Yeah, and then nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but then, you know, you have Danny DeVito hamming it up. But then you have Jack Nicholson like, what do we do? Like, I'm the yeah. president. <laughs> you know, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's doing his Jack thing, but it's still like, you know, it's masterful, I think. It's it was yeah. it was such a good movie. Got Michael J. Fox in there yeah. too. And Natalie Portman. Uh, I mean, star studded. Right. Absolute. Martin Short. Yeah. <laughs> like fantastic cast. Pierce uh, so if you haven't seen Mars close. Attacks, never ever watch Garbage Pail Kids the movie. Watch <laughs> Mars Attacks. Two extremes. One's piece of shit and one's phenomenal. Yep. So, Craig, thank you so much. I didn't. Even, I remember it being. I knew it was an old franchise, but I didn't realize it was trading cards. I thought it was maybe comic books or something. To be honest. Uh, but here's a little stuff. Here's a little Jack sm- Black's in this? Jeez. I don't who remember that. Yeah, who was he? Billy, Billy Glenn Norris. I don't remember that Must character. Must have been a really short part. Wait, no, no, he was the brother. He was the trailer park kid's brother. That uh, went off to war, remember, runs off and gets, but, spoiler, yeah, that's right, killed that's immediately right. and becomes so, a national hero in their little trailer. 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah. that just goes to show it's like even even the cast in the, ba- in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Minute, I mean, he had like maybe two lines in one scene, two scenes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, but basically, Mars Attacks was a, a precursor to Garbage Pail Kids. Uh, when it came out in 62, it was popular with the kids, but the parents freaked out uh, because of the depictions of sex and violence, and the company halted production. And nowadays, some cards fetch up to $3,500 at auction. Uh, they re- actually, it's a still an ongoing franchise for Tops. Uh, they expanded, released an expanded set in 1994. We had the movie in 96, and to this day, there's a fourth set that is, uh, continues to be in production up until today. So it's still a viable franchise, at least in that medium uh, as well. So, Craig, thank Hey, like I said, we love corrections because uh, he, I think uh, Confucius said, he who asks a fool question is a fool for five minutes. He who does not is a fool forever. So there I will not go. be a fool forever regarding Mars Attacks. Thanks yeah. to Craig. So, again, late getting to that one, Craig. I know you sent it like right after that episode, but I forgot to I print out the email, so that's how I remember to read them and bring them up, and I completely forgot to print it out uh, the last episode or two. So, got that Jack Black Mars Attacks clip going. He's really skinny in this, and it almost looks unhealthy. Because <laughs> like his face oh, wow, is still yeah. fat. <laughs> yeah. That's like me. Like I hold a lot of weight in my cheeks. Like, yeah. I'll, lo- like I'll lose weight. But I don't really show it, except you know, like my, he looks better you know, as a fat guy with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, this joke would work better if he was portlier. Yeah, <laughs> with his butt crack hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that about does it for this week, and we are now officially in Halloween Horror Month here at 80s Revisited. Not just because I mean we're already in October, but this was supposed to be the prequel. But now we are officially set up for the first episode and coming. Literally, if you're listening to this. Immediately after this episode ends and iTunes or whatever you're playing goes right to the next episode, it's going to be out. And we're going to do 1988's remake. Wait, a remake on 80s Revisited? That's right, because remakes in the 80s were good, remember? We had this discussion. (laughs) But it's The Blob, uh, which ties into The Raft, because I guess that was The Blob's little brother that got trapped in the lake and eats people that want to get high and go to a raft in the middle of winter instead of just, you know, smoking a dude on their patio or something. So, but anyway, we do, and we do have a surprise coming up in just a second, but I'll get to that first. Don't forget everybody, uh, send us an email, uh, 80s revisit at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at 80s revisited and give us a like and a review. We haven't had a review in a while, so you know, yeah, if, if we suck, that's a good way to let us know. Although you know, <laughs> let us know maybe via email first, give us a chance right. to improve, and then you know, kick us in the balls on iTunes there you go. or whatever. But yeah, we we would appreciate it. Just you know, we don't do this for any other reason than I I like to hear my sound of my own voice. And Jesse bought a whole bunch of podcasting equipment, doesn't like to see it get dusty. So <laughs> you know, it's a mutual. It's we got a, a good mutual thing going on here. But as always, don't forget, we do have a couple of shout-outs. Our friends, now for Nostalgia, John and James, all their episodes are still up on iTunes for you to listen to. And our good friend down under, Ben, with the Asia Mania podcast, who just got back from a European trip. And Ben, I'm about two episodes behind on your podcast, but I'll be catching up soon, and I'll be talking to you pretty soon, mate. But uh, anyway, and now our surprise. As I th- the, was Halloween Horror last year? Was that Stephen King? Or was that year before last? No, that was year before last, because last year was Creepshow. So it was year before last. No, it was last. No, it was excuse me. It was it was actually last year because we talked about it during the interview, where we mentioned we were going to try to get an interview with the curator of the Creepshow Museum. Mm-hmm. Well, it took a year, but we did it. Yeah. Because uh, once we got back in contact, we we didn't get in, in touch back. We didn't work it out in time for Creepshow one. But I said whenever we do Creepshow two, we want to get your get an interview with you on the podcast. Well, by God, 
when I make a promise, I keep it. And yeah, the Mr. Mom thing, don't worry, it's coming. Eventually, <laughs> we'll get to it. I promise, like I said, we'll get to it. But now, our exclusive interview with the curator of the Creepshow Museum. And pardon the audio quality, I had to catch him on the road. But rest yep. assured, this is only part one. Because we got to talking to Anthony, and it was just a good interview. He had a lot to say. Kicked it off really well. So we are going to have a part two near the end of Halloween Horror this year, hopefully. As long as we can get it worked out with everybody's time frames. Right. So sit back and enjoy this interview. Pardon the audio quality again, but don't worry. We're going to have Anthony back on the show and talk more about it at that time. So we'll see you next week in person, at least in your... Well, excuse me. Scratch that. We'll see you in about five minutes as we talk about the blob on the next episode of 80s Visited and the official start of Halloween Horror. It's the most wonderful time of the year, everybody. So until then, I remain Trey Harris. Yes, essentially. Cowabunga! On with the interview. Right, joining us now live, at least for us, is Anthony, <laughs> the curator and owner of the one, the only Creep Show Museum. Anthony, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How about you guys? Oh, can't complain. It it it, it is the season for films such as Creep Show, so it's my favorite time of the year. It's my Christmas. So Oh, absolutely. You absolutely. Can't, you can't beat that. But uh yeah, just to kind of get uh, get everybody who's listening that might not like your page on Facebook or even know that you exist, you know, with that there's there's a repository in this world for super fans of Creep Show. Tell us a little bit about the museum. That's right. That's right. Well, um I, I won't give its uh, exact address away just yet because uh, it is it is private. It's not open to the public. It is located in northeast Louisiana. Uh, it is the largest collection of original Creepshow memorabilia in the world. Um, I mean, there's a lot of one-of-a-kind items in there. Um, there's some super, super rare posters uh, that... Uh, only one is known in the world. There's a couple. There's only two known in the world. I've got a uh, one of those standees. You know, they, they really don't do this anymore. I really wish they campaigned and marketed horror movies or any movie for that matter, like they used to. Oh, yeah. You know, back in the eighties, in the seventies. I mean, you'd walk in and they'd have these huge, you know, marquees, and then they'd have the. Uh, you know the stand the standees that are like five feet tall, four feet wide. Yeah, I mean, cardboard you know, and three dimensional. Like, yes, yeah, just larger than life and mobiles and all that. But I've got one of those um, one of those uh, creep show standees, and there's three of those known in the world now. Wow. Some guy has had one on eBay for <laughs> like over a year now. Now originally. He was asking five thousand for it, cool. and as I was like, that's a little much, yeah. And I started talking to the guy and explaining. I was like, "Hey, that's really cool. Now we know where the third one is because I knew where the second one was." <laughs> and like, well, well, this guy, uh, I guess he, I don't know, may have a little mental illness or missing a few screws. But he said, "Oh, great! Your information is invaluable." And he bumped up the price of 10 grand. And then mysteriously, I kid you not, and it's probably on there right now, wow. week by week, it shot up to all the way to $80,000. And, God. you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm emailing this guy, and I'm like, look, because, you know, people ask me all the time about, uh, that, you know, I'll get emails or I'll get questions on the page. 
to uh, you know identify an item or hey how rare is this or I know this is really rare what do you think it's worth I'll do you know appraisals and stuff for people and uh, anyway I'm telling a guy I'm like you know, it's worth some money you might want to drop a couple zeros but I hope you sell it <laughs> yeah. if you sell it eighty grand then that makes mine worth a lot of money too yeah so so I you know I hope to God you do but you're nuts. Uh, and you never will, but, um, you know, I'm getting carried away, but there's, yeah. there's the, the, the coolest part about it is the, really the one of the con items. And I mean, yeah. I've had just the, the alumni from creep show, uh, took a liking to it somehow, somewhere, somebody saw it and liked it on Facebook that, you know, somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody. And then mm-hmm. before you knew it, I'm getting likes from Tom Savini, from Mike Gornick. From Hell George yeah. Romero, from George Romero's wife, Marty Schiff, all these guys. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to name drop, but just like, Go it's so it. freaking cool to me. Uh, I mean, I'm not like talking like, hey, I know these guys. and we have, But it's it's just cool because these guys are my freaking heroes and they're liking my stuff and my page and messaging me about it. Like, oh, bro, I haven't seen that since this. And they're telling me behind the scenes stories. And then before I know it, these guys start sending me stuff. Like wow. set you uh, prop. Uh, I'm sorry, set use props, and uh, you know these little cool things that are overlooked by some collectors, like mm-hmm. something as simple as like a call sheet, yeah. you know, for a certain segment, or uh, it, you know, just whatever. I've got one of Savini's mates. Just it, they've just been so gracious and, and think it's just so cool. Um, I'm trying to get it to where uh, we are recognized by uh, the Museum Association of America or uh, American Museum Association or something so it could be accredited and I could open it to the public wow. so everybody can enjoy it rather than just looking at pictures online. Yeah, speaking of that, I, I do want to do a uh, like a virtual tour. That's kind of like the next step. I've kind of been, if you've noticed, there hasn't been a lot of posts lately. Um, you know, I was on it, on it, on it for a while and um, just really had to kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit, but mm-hmm. things have been stacking up. So now um, it's about to get hot and heavy again, and just a lot of really cool things uh, just to, to share with people. I mean, it's um, I'm passionate about it, and I want to share it with the world. That's... So I would like people to be able to come physically see it one day. Yeah, and we, you know? we need more people like that, especially, and I'll be honest, you don't find that type of dedication in pretty much any genre uh, aside from science fiction other than horror. Because horror right. fans are the most dedicated, passionate, nicest, coolest people you'll ever meet, and you know that's right. People that that's right think the opposite. Like, oh, you oh you're into horror. Oh, I bet you like have bodies in your basement too. Like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know, I absolutely agree. I mean, and, and look at a lot of horror fans, and I mean, you really you you, you know nowadays can't judge a book by its cover, but they mm-hmm. see the you know the, the stereotypical guys that are you know oh this guy's a horror fan. You know he's in metal. It's just, you know we're scary and tattoos and piercings and like he's probably a fucking serial killer uh you, you know you just get a bad rap and and but really no i mean actually my best friend uh daniel elmore is uh, just he's a god he's a super collector a lot of my one-of-the-kind items um i got from him as well but oh, wow. this guy doesn't just collect creep show this guy collects he literally has every 80s toy line that was ever released even the 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 weird stuff like um lone star holy um, shit uh dragon riders of the sticks i mean these very rare uh now he doesn't have all the rimco stuff 
I'll mm-hmm. say that. But I mean, like he's got every fucking thing, man. Pee Wee's Playhouse. I mean, it, you know, uh, just anyway, super collector guy. This is one of the most menacing motherfuckers I've ever seen in my life. Like for Halloween, <laughs> he dresses up as Jason, and he's the right size. The the the, the fucking guy is is six foot eight. Okay. <laughs> And he's wow. got uh, movie prop quality uh, prosthetics. Jason, uh, yeah, the under mask, right? His yeah, his face, face. Yeah, not just talking mask, uh, and arms and all that, and the and the uh, costume. And, and he gets into full character. I mean, and this guy gets hired to do haunted houses, but afterwards, I mean, he just kind of delights in walking around acting like Jason, like he'll just walk up to you and fucking stare at you, <laughs> you know. And you don't know if he really is about to snap and kill you or not, but. I kind of got sidetracked on that, like outside of the Jason costume. I mean, obviously he's menacing because he's, you know, the height of a Wookiee. He's got long hair, beard, piercing, you know, septum rings, uh, you know, spacers and all that. And he, he looks just, you know, a lot of people just cower and cringe. You see old ladies like grab their purse and have heart attacks when he walks by. But he's, he's, he's like, he couldn't hurt a fly, man. Yeah. You know, there's a roach crawling across the floor. He won't stomp it. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck's the matter with you? Look around. Look around your house. I mean, there's actual, like, fake corpses hanging from hooks, from meat hooks. There's fucking body parts thrown across his house. Bloody footprints, bloody handprints on his walls. Wow. It looks like a living fucking murder scene. But this guy, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. But, yeah, we get a bad rap. But yeah, some the of the time. most down-to-earth, cool people, uh, and, and very tight-knit very tight knit. I mean, you go to these conventions, you meet these guys you've never met before, kind of like I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. And it, it's just, you know, you share that passion. So there's no like trying to one up each other or have a pissing contest or it's not like guys at a gym or something, you know? It's oh, yeah. like, hell yeah, dude, we have this in common and fuck yeah, and we learn it from each other. You might like this move, this certain movie more than me, and I like it, but now I'm learning from you and. You know, it's just great, man. It's just a great deal all in all. Definitely. And then here's what I, here, the one thing I just really wanted to ask you, like what, what makes, or why Creepshow for you? Like for me, like if I could have picked a horror movie that I personally would have, you know, uh, searched out memorabilia and collected, for me it would have probably been mm-hmm. Halloween. Because uh, I'm oh, a huge Carpenter great fan. Choice. So, mm-hmm. uh, but what was it about Creepshow that you know that that caught you in its hook, so to speak, and you know to where you are the curator and owner of the Creepshow Museum? Well, okay, that's that's actually a really really good question and a, a good story. People don't really ask you that uh, so much. You would think they would, but yeah. they asked me when I started collecting it. But uh, actually, uh, man, this started way early in life. Um, it was actually the first horror movie that I saw all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not supposed to see it. I was, uh, <laughs> oh, God, when did it premiered on HBO. Uh, oh, God, oh, I should know the date because I've got the fucking press release for it. Uh, it is in October of 83. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right, it came yeah, out in 82. Right, yeah. yeah, it came out in 82, so 83 it came out. Anyway, I'm four years old. I, uh, I, I wake up late, uh, you know, or get, I'm, I'm up late. I get out of bed. My grandfather is a, is a huge, huge brooding guy. You know, he's sitting on the couch and I kind of wander in the living room or in the kitchen. Uh, I can hear the TV on and he, you know, thunderous voice is like, Andy. And it, you know, and I jumped, I almost start crying, <laughs> you know? And he's like, hey, what are you doing out of bed? 
and I'm and I'm you know like in shock and terror. I mean, this yeah. guy, you know, I'm four years old and he's yeah, he's six five, he's two hundred fifty pounds. And anyway, he's like, come here, sit on my lap. You want to watch a scary movie? Uh-huh. Uh, like, yeah. So, in that scary movie happened to be creep show. So, number one, you know, it's a bonding moment with my grandfather who yeah. actually passed away that next year. Oh, man. There was that. On top of, uh, you know, it just introduced me to horror, one. And then, two, my love for zombies. You know, mm. Nate, come yeah. on, man. I mean, that's, <laughs> that was the first, you know, uh, reanimated corpse I ever saw. Still to this day, one of my personal favorite oh, makeup definitely. jobs by Tom Savini or, or anybody, for that matter, my favorite zombie. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the I – know, I know you've seen the, the, the Nate Savini at the museum and a couple of other versions – but uh, I've added uh, a full size mate in hanging out in the corner in there now too. So, oh, wow. but yeah, it, it opened many genres for me. I mean, that's that's really where it all started as a kid. Was uh, that, that's what introduced me to the horror genre. What got me obsessed with creep show introduced me to the zombie genre. So then from there, I started you know um, just picking out videotapes. Um, it was a couple of years before my mom would you know we'd go to like Curtis Mathis or All Star Video or whatever, and she realized that hey he knows it's just a movie. Yeah, it's probably younger than most kids. Uh, parents would allow him to rent horror movies. But I just picked the coolest stuff, you know, because the artwork back then was oh, God, that's yes. what sold the movie. That's one of my favorite the things about had nothing show. to fucking do with the movie, but you know. Yeah. But sorry, before I got into uh, George Romero and Dario Argento, uh, Lucio Fulci, I mean that that happened to the point thing. And uh, anyway, there. Uh, my brother, my older brother, he's a middle child. Um, I I was obsessed with that comic book and the movie man. I was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that they actually made one. And, and, and we all know, and the creep show collectors and, and and horror collectors like know that the the one that was released by Plume, the Stephen King uh, novel um, or graphic novel, as they call it. Was not like the prop in the in the movie, but anyway, uh, brother was part of this book club or book guild, and uh, he bought me the Creepshow comic book as a present, and awesome. I still have that uh, original one to this day. Um, that's where it started, but you know, from there, I uh, anyway, I didn't continue to memorabilia after uh, my brother's gift of the comic book. But it picked back up again uh, in the early 2000s or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, as I mentioned earlier, big horror collector on the Jason, and you know we're 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 getting to be good buddies and just having these movie marathons and start watching Creep Show. And it had never dawned on me at that point, like, whoa, okay, maybe I should start searching some of this stuff out because mm-hmm. we've gotten uh, free used uh, hockey mask. Off of there, he got a screen machete. So that's when I got a couple of little items, and then I just got completely out. And uh, literally every day, looked at you know eBay, eBay, eBay friend. Up, getting really bad now. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I hate this. (laughs) I'm under some freeze. Uh, I just pulled up. We'll just push through it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get it. It'll get to a clear spot again. 
Okay, I'm going to stand still. Okay. How about that? Yeah, we won't uh, keep you too much longer. We just want to – this is a good conversation. No, no, it's, all, it. it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm a wiry guy, man. I got to move when I talk. I just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty animated. But I do the same thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it, at that point, um, you know, I don't remember the first couple items were. I bought some posters. Uh, but then, you know, I literally started checking every eBay every day. I mean, mm-hmm. eBay Germany, eBay France, eBay Italy, wow. and then getting in these horror collector groups and, you know, meeting people uh, and horror fans around the world that would basically keep their eye open for me for any kind of thing, oh, wow. you know, creep show related. And um, then, you know, I, I didn't really set out. It's like, hey, I'm going to have the biggest collection in the world. It just, you know, grew it grew yeah. it, it it became a monster and then it became out of control and then it got to a point at one point cuz i'm i'm a purist on the original creep show on mm-hmm. part 1 the but one. <laughs> there was there was nothing else to get at that point i was like well fuck it i'll start getting creep show shit and do that <laughs> more obscure are coming out but then that's the cool thing happened that's some of these bigger collectors and some of these guys that actually worked on the movies and this and that had these, you know, one of a kind items and, and rare promotional items like the, uh, the idea promo manual, um, some of the original scripts. I've got a script from uh, a first draft from 79, oh, wow. which, you know, the movie wasn't made till you know, was filmed till 81, yeah. but this was the first draft. Um, that's awesome. You know, it, yeah. So it, it I got my were from some where other collectors or people that worked in the movie business or you know had had these things for a while. It's like fine. They you'd be surprised if people find like a cupboard. Uh, this guy found a stack of Creepshow cups. You know the paper cups that yeah. that you your sodas out of your cokes uh, or a small popcorn whatever when it came out just weird things people didn't think to keep back mm-hmm. then you know they just keep surfacing but like it's it's kind of hard at this point because i it's, it's such an addiction i have so much stuff there's like <laughs> not a whole lot left out there yeah. so i get so fucking excited when i see you know it's at a point where i'm actually seeking out more screen used props then because mm-hmm. all the promotional materials I pretty much have I, I think there is two posters that I, I don't own uh, one of which is an Italian four sheet but uh, no it's the two sheet but I have the one sheet I've got the four sheet and the six sheet and it's all the same artwork yeah. you know it's repetitive artwork but as far as all the different artwork from around the world yeah. there's one that I'm missing and I've only seen one of these ever it's a it's an alternate Argentinian poster and I've got the only one, the only other one. Um, it looks like a mixture between uh, the German poster and the uh, Spanish poster. It, it, it's it's really weird, and it's on really shitty paper. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's super thin. It's it's almost like newsprint. Oh wow! Even uh, survive. Um, but there's one, and the guy Bill Hart. Who, Previously, uh, claimed to have the largest collection in, 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 at one point, um, but I think there was some controversy behind it. There were some things he had that I think he had claimed, late claimed that um, you know it being real 
are trying to pass it off. There was a, uh, it was a, a, a prototype creature game. Oh, wow. And do you guys know about this? No. All right, look it up. There's an article, and I don't want to bash your guy. There's an article all about it. Getting a little fuzzy um, again. Oh, wait, it's better. No, man. You're good. You're good. Okay, there, there's an article all about it. Uh, there's a link. It's like Atari Age, uh, Creep Show, Atari. Um, anyway, basically, this guy, he had this wall collection, and he's the guy that's got this one poster that I want. Uh, anyway, he, he kind of got out of it or lost credibility because um, he claimed to have this prototype um, Atari 2600 game of Creep Show. Well, uh, and he, he's not really the smartest guy in the world. He's trying to make some excuses like, well, it's a rare Swedish Japanese prototype. And then as you're looking at it, these video game designers are coming on and saying, dig, I work for Atari, but technology was not around then. That, that is a uh, pinball building system for a Commodore 64 or whatever it was. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was exactly, but, but uh, you know, it was kind of a... And he found that he did he did this thing. It was a uh, a creep show expo, which is he was wanting to do something like this. And he, I think it was successful the one year George Romero showed up. Oh, There's wow. pictures of George Romero hitting him over the head with an ashtray, which another thing he claimed was the ashtray, huh. but it was not. It was actually a proper app, and you know just things like that. It's it's strange because most of us, uh, you know, horror collectors. Uh, really, like I said earlier, you know, get along, we stick together and help each other out and all this. I contacted this guy, you know, and was just, just trying to talk to him, you know, trying to basically get, because he, at that point, had some things that I didn't have, and I, I was trying to get together an entire list of, like, what all out there, you know, mm-hmm. because I know I have stuff you don't, you have stuff that I don't buy. And he's just, 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 he's just really, to be quite honest with you, he was a fucking dick. And <laughs> um, blocked me. And uh, oh, wow. blocked me. Just because he, I guess, I don't know, thought I was like, oh, you know, like it was a pissing contest. I'm like, no, dude, this is awesome. Like, we should compile our stuff and do this big thing and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, so yeah, I guess I won't be getting that other Argentinian poster unless one <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you you got to stop me because I just keep oh, going, and, no, and and I go on these tangents, and I get further and further away from the original question. Have you have you listened to our <laughs> podcast? Because we do the same thing. But uh, <laughs> let me let me. Ask I'm you right this. at home. You're a you're, yeah. You are obviously the biggest fan of Creep Show that I will, I know currently and will most likely ever know. What segment oh, is your favorite out of all the Creep Shows? Even if you want to include three. I don't care. I'm sure you don't. But what what segment is the one that if you said, oh, I, if somebody hasn't seen Creep Show where they're hating on it, like, oh, come on, you can't tell me you hate this segment, or which which is the one that just sticks with you as being you know the pinnacle of the Creep Show itself? Without a doubt. Okay, and in the way you worded this is a trick question. Okay, so <laughs> first off, me personally, without a doubt. Father's Day, mm-hmm. because, you know, as I said, that introduced me not only to the horror genre, but to zombies in general, mm-hmm. uh, and special But, that being said, if somebody, you know, was like, well, it would really, you know, uh, this is such, so, you know, like, fuck Creep Show, I see something, fuck in the crate, man, show them the crate. Mm-hmm. You cannot deny the crate, man. A1 acting, that Rich Weaver. 
Whoop, hello? Hello, hello? Anthony, can you hear us? Anthony, no! <laughs> Anthony! <laughs> call has failed! The call has failed! No, nah, but uh, we will. Maybe we'll do a part two of that uh, when we get Anthony on a better connection uh, for maybe the end of Halloween Horror. So, but that was our interview with Anthony of the Creepshow Museum. So, first of all, be sure to go to Facebook and like it, like his page, like the Awesome Podcast Network as well, if you haven't. And uh, like I said, he should be doing a walkthrough tour. That should come up there. We'll share that as well. So, if you're a Creepshow fan, you owe it to yourself to check this page out and see what Anthony's got. The world's largest official collection of Creepshow memorabilia. So. Until next time, we'll see you, and I am Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga!